gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. Nathan Bell, Greg Dutcher sitting across from me. Greg, two weeks in a row, dude, and we're in the same place together. This is uh... strange, dude. We're getting back into old paths. I... <laughs> Finally, the familiar groove. Dropping a uh, hint in the foreshadowing there. Yes, yes. Oh, very good, very good. We are. Uh... I didn't even think about that. That must have been a little slip. But old paths might be coming up in the near future as well. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited, too, because I know in, in a little bit we're going to talk about good news for weary women. Yep. I want to know, can we talk about, is there any good news for weary fathers taking their daughters on college trips? Because, <laughs> dude, I am beat down, man. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you got down there, what, at 11 o'clock today to College Park, which is about an hour away? Uh, an hour and 15 minutes at University of Maryland. I mean, it was a great tour. Samantha loved it. You know, she's... Uh, a rising, is that what they call it, Joy? A rising high school senior this yes. year. They they asked uh, the people, are you a rising? And I was like, does, does that mean if you're standing up? Or I uh, apparently missed the parlance. But <laughs> she's a rising high school senior. So uh, this is about our sixth or seventh college we've looked at in the last few weeks. Fun. I mean, it was just me and Sam today. So I love the trip down. Uh, and anybody that's been down that part of the uh, country and you get on the D.C. Beltway or near the D.C. Beltway, it is a sanctification You can understand laboratory. why road rage is a real oh, issue in dude. America, can't you? <laughs> I mean, I thought I'd be back in this area where we are podcasting night no later than 4 o'clock. Yeah. And I wrote in here, what, guys, about uh, 5... 5.23. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hear who that voice is in just a moment. <laughs> but yes, uh, so I'd love to tell our listeners that I came refreshed, but I'm excited now. Dude. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is going to be a great one. We're going to um, go ahead and introduce... Uh, both of our guests, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is very near and dear to my heart. Um, but first, Greg, a uh, word from our sponsor. Yeah, Missional Wear this week. Missionalwear.com. That's W-E-A-R because you wear it, uh, not W-A-R-E because that's Bruce Ware, uh, <laughs> who's another guest. That makes no sense. I trust our listeners understand. But um, yeah, Missional Wear is just great, man. I was checking them out last night. Uh, once again, and uh, if you're just looking for uh, gifts for your kid that might be going away to college, you know, and you want to send them something that's that's kind of cool, a coffee mug to keep them awake in the morning. My favorite is the morning surge with Spurge, and you get your yeah. Spurge and coffee mug, and they've got their uh, just great posters. They, they got posters that cover the Book of Romans, yeah. uh, great battle cries of grace and faith from the Reformation era, just some T-shirts. Some t-shirts, and... really cool, cool products. And not like the cheesy t-shirts no. of the 90s or the 80s and 90s of which i had i kid you not dude 37 <laughs> my mother counted and my dad who at the time was not a believer said you know son you ever hear the phrase don't wear your religion on your sleeve <laughs> so i'm not i'm wearing it on my chest <laughs> things like jesus master of the universe in he-man lettering <laughs> cheese city you know? Cheese Ball City. Um, but Mission Aware does not have cheesy products. That's right. They have awesome products. And, of course, you can get 11% off uh, your purchase if you just enter their special. These go to 11 uh, keyword, which is sustain. Yep. Inside joke for those that know the uh, Spinal Tap movie. Sustain, S-U-S-T-A-I-N, gets you 11% off. So uh, we're thankful for, uh, Mission Aware is partnering with us. Absolutely. And uh, once again, we are starting to put all that information in the show notes. So we will uh, continue to do that. So it will be a nice, easy click over for you from the show notes. 
So uh, without further ado, we want to introduce uh, both of our guests. We're going to start off with our returning guest, Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise, it's so good to have you back on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, Elise, uh, just uh, once again, if you could um, uh, just give our audience a a quick uh, bio of yourself, um, because we actually have picked up a few more people since you were last on. We're very excited about that. Um, And so we just want to refresh those who maybe um, forgot and then bring those up to speed who weren't with us last time. Thanks. I am the I am a grandmother. I have six wonderful grandchildren and four children. I have three children. Wait, no, just three. Three (laughs) children. And uh, I'll hold on. And um, my husband, Phil, and I have been married for over 40 years, and we live in Southern California. I have a master's degree in biblical counseling, and I've written a few books on Christian living and. daily life and love the gospel and uh, want very much for women to rest in the grace of God. Yes, and just for our audience, at least to know, you're very uh, humble there when you say you've written a few books. That's like saying, I've preached a few bad sermons. (laughs) Um, Elise has written many, many books, uh, and I would encourage our listeners to to, uh, check them out. We had you on maybe six months or so ago at yes. least to talk about the uh was it the 20th anniversary edition of idols of the heart yeah um was it t- t- i'm sorry forgive me i think i can't tell you yes it's, I, it's yeah i think it was the 20th yeah i couldn't remember it was <laughs> as 20th. i said i'm a grandmother and I have no <laughs> so i'll tell you it was the 20th it may have been the 15th or the 30th i don't know Yes, yeah, maybe it was the 15th. They'll have to go back and check. Whatever it was, it was a new edition because it's been such a bestseller. Uh, And uh, anybody that reads it will see why. Just a tremendous diagnostic, uh, more than just that, but it exposes, obviously, the idols in our hearts um, in which we try to find identity, satisfaction uh, outside of the gospel, outside of who we are in Christ, uh, but also points us towards the, the path of um, joy, and uh, I bet more people read Nathan. Do you think Elise's book on idolatry than some other guy's book? You know, it, it's hard to tell. I, I bet those numbers are close, <laughs> but I think I'll give the nod to Elise. <laughs> yeah, I do see that other book. I think it's propping up this loose coffee table in here. So uh, I'm uh, using it to air out my computer so right. that the, the wind can flow through. <laughs> Hey, can, can I jump in and at least say how excited I am to have the other special guest here? Yes, yes, because please. I'm hoping there is great opportunity for exposure. Uh, oh, of, she can't say anything that I already haven't said to embarrass uh, yeah. myself. <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> we are joined by the better half, aren't we? We are. The much better half. Yes, yeah, much better half. That doesn't take much to see. No, no. Yeah, that's obvious, so. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, yes, want to uh, introduce my wife, Joy Bell. Joy, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Joy, for those out there, go ahead and um, just give a brief bio about yourself, friends, family, things that you do and things you like to do. I am an MK, a one of seven children, and love to travel, an avid reader, love photography. I am a teacher uh, at a local classical Christian school, which I love, and I am the wife of a very competent man. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> that was good, Joy. Could you also add maybe two or three torturously embarrassing anecdotes about Nathan? Nathan is not embarrassed. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I, he, they would be more embarrassing to me than they would be. never them. use any blackmail because Nathan just doesn't care. <laughs> Stinks, I've tried. We'll see what we can do, though. But, and Joy, I'm assuming just for a few listeners that might not know, MK does not mean you're a Mary-Kate and Ashley fan. It means no. that you are... A missionary kid. Yes, it does. Yes. And remind us, where did your parents, where have they served? Because we had your dad on uh, about a year or so ago. Yep. yep. Um, we, My parents started out in Puerto Rico, which was where I was born. And then they moved to Washington State, where my sister was born. And then we moved to Southern California, where my brother was born. We moved to North Carolina, wow. where my youngest sister was born. Uh, and then when I was in college, they moved to Ethiopia in Africa. Yeah. And served there for three years, made it home with no extra kids. Yeah. <laughs> and so God blessed us with some interest on that. And uh, we have, my parents adopted three boys yeah. from Ghana, uh, which is in Western Africa. So I now have three younger brothers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And Nathan, one of the, we had hoped tonight to have my better half, yes. Lisa, who could yes. not come to her great, great disappointment, one she would have enjoyed. Um, obviously talking with, with Joy and Joy and Lisa talking to Elise. Yes. But we at least don't have to affect our voices. That's right. We can have a legitimate <laughs> woman's perspective where we talk to Elise. That's right. About matters of identity, the gospel, uh, womenly right. issues and other things. That's right. Um, in addition to the book that we, we talked about in, uh, uh, what was it, February or March with Elise, um, we want to mention that um, Elise, was it yesterday or today your new book came out, uh, Home? Well, again, you're asking the person who doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it was supposed to come out on August second. I think it I think it actually just dropped as far as Amazon is concerned today. But okay. some people got it earlier. Okay, um, so home, uh, how heaven and the new earth satisfy our deepest longings is the most recent yeah. one that dropped. Yeah. Um, so uh, at least um, we do want to talk about um, give them grace and we want to talk about um, Proverbs 31 women. But since that one just dropped recently, could you give us a little bit of a synopsis of that for mm -hmm. our listeners? Um, because I know after we're done, we are going to do uh, some giveaways with some of your books. So great. Um, thank you. Well, this book really came out of a season of pretty significant pain and uh, stripping for me personally, and I was actually slated to write something else for Bethany House mm. and uh, asked them if, after going through what I had gone through and, and in some ways continuing to go through, if I couldn't instead write a book about heaven. And that was really because I was seeing that within myself there was, um, I want to say, a, a, a desire for a place where things are as, as they ought to be, mm. and a desire to really um, be with the Lord. And I don't mean that in a, in a sort of model and sort of, oh, I just want to die kind of way. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know... Uh, I I know that being with the Lord is so much better, and that's what Paul said, but I really wanted to know what that meant. Mm. And so as I began my studies to write this book and spent significant time reading and in prayer, um, I began to uh, 
identify that pain that I was feeling as homesickness. And it's that sort of feeling that you have when you say, you know, this place is nice, but, you know, it's it's not home. It's kind of the way you feel maybe when you're camping or something. And I, I don't know, I'm too old to camp now. But <laughs> there, was a time, there was a time I did like it. We used to beach camp a lot. And, um, you know, as nice as you could make the sort of camp, and even if you had a really great spot right by the shore, it still wasn't home. Mm. And, um, and so I began to understand that that's what was going on in my own heart as far as my longing for heaven. And um, then I began to come up against the way that most Christians think about heaven and that being, you know, you die and you get to go be with Jesus, and that's true and good. Um, but it's sort of like if you if you press Christians about what they think heaven will be like, a lot of times it's more like a sort of eternity-long worship service mm. as disembodied spirits floating on clouds and strumming harps. <laughs> and so I wanted to I wanted to move past that very platonic um, view of what heaven will be and uh, instead began to say, what does the Bible have to say about, you know, what we would call the intermediate state, which is, of course, that part, that time in eternity where we will be disembodied if we die before the return of the Lord, um, and that disembodied state, what that would be like, and then also once the Lord returns, wherever anybody wants to put that in their eschatology scheme, it doesn't really matter to me, except just to say there will come a day when we will be resurrected, when my soul, spirit, will be reunited with the DNA that I have right now, mm. and I will become more me, more Elise than I ever have been, and I will also not only have my body back, but also live in a resurrected world where all of the things about this world that are presently groaning, how the creation even is groaning, as Paul says in Romans 8, how that groaning of the creation um, is going to stop. And God will resurrect the earth. How he will do that, I don't know, except to know that it's going to be pretty dramatic mm. and pretty drastic and really wonderful. And then heaven and earth will be finally joined, as Jesus said we should pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer, and we will spend eternity on a physical earth, in physical bodies, doing all of the wonderful things that Adam and Eve were originally commanded to do, um, but were then really unable to do because of the fall. Mm. Wow, Elise, thank you for that, uh, that summary. And I'm on Amazon now, and I'm ordering the book. <laughs> I well, go- may God bless you <laughs> and your children forever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I got a good idea for a sermon series too. I just hope nobody listens to this podcast and know where I got it. But I, um, no, love what you said, and I I find Elise um, both personally and pastorally, uh, you know, so many people don't want to admit that they're a little freaked out about heaven yeah. be- because of those kind of 
misconceptions. You're right. The, yeah. the, 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 the dude floating on a cloud playing a harp and being in this never ending worship service, you know, I, people want, it, 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 they accept that as what heaven's going to be like. They don't want to feel like that's a bad thing or project that's a bad thing. So yeah. they, I think they're tortured. So I love just the way you've sketched that whole thing out. You know, it's um, it's interesting. I love the way you just said that because nobody wants to admit that the thought of an eternity-long worship service and that that's all you're doing um, is really not something that's that appealing to us. That's not to say that we're not going to worship. But I think that once we're there on the new earth, um, you know, there we have a command to worship now which is something that Adam and Eve were never commanded to worship. Mm. You know, before the fall, there was no command to worship, and that was because everything they did, the work they did, the speech that they had with one another, the learning experiences, the exploring, all the things they did, it was all worship. Amen. And so will we be in an eternity-long worship service? Well, yes, but probably not the way we think about it. Yes. Not in the sense that, like, we're going to be standing in church forever. Not, mm. that that's, not that that's, in essence, a bad thing, but that's not all it's going to be. I mean, it may very well be that we'll all go on and explore someone uh, somewhere, and the whole way there we'll be worshiping, mm. because we'll be amazed over and over again at the beauty of God's creation and His kindness in letting us in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, Elise. I thank you for, well, one, for writing it. And, and uh, one of the things many people have commented about your writing over the years, Elise, is that you, you clearly are not afraid to put your own personal struggle anecdote in the writing, which is, I think, why it's been so warmly accessible to so many readers. So uh, obviously we're not going to pry on the deep, deep reasons uh, of pain and loss that you have gone through. But thank you for just sharing it and, uh, and writing that sure. work. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, I, I would say that I'm a person that has not had a lot of significant loss in my life. Uh, you know, I have three children. They're all three married. They live close by me. They all three attend church. I have six grandchildren. I get to see them whenever I so desire. Uh, my mother and my brother are very close to me. Uh, I, have a, I have a wonderful husband to whom I dedicated this book. I mean, I have not really suffered. Uh, and I do have a chapter in this book written by, other, by friends of mine who have suffered. Wow. So uh, I recognize that what I've gone through is really nothing in comparison to what a lot of people have gone through. However, saying that... Uh, it has been a really rough road the last year and a half, uh, and particularly in relationships uh, that I have with other people and how, you know, it's just uh, things have fallen apart. And I've just had to say over and over again, this isn't how it's supposed to be, mm. and then come back to the reality of, right, because you're not home yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm in exile. We are all in exile. We are all pilgrims on a road. And so, I mean, you can tell I'm, I'm a little jacked up about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, just a little. So I'll stop on that topic no, now. That's great. Real quick, Elise, um, before, before we totally change, maybe this will be a good segue. 
Um, I, I, I think, you know, I can speak generically for guys, um, since I am one. Um, but I, I know for guys, you know, there are times where we, you know, look at heaven and we know and struggle with the fact that it's, it's not our home. Do you, do you think it might be different though for women who are, more tied to a home and and a true home base and that settling down and just being where you're supposed to be and knowing that you're supposed to be there. Um, Where guys tend to be more fluid and flexible where they are. Like I said, I I know to a certain extent I struggle with that, but I I wonder, do you think um, there's a difference particularly with that struggle with women? You know, I don't know. I think think women are – while it's true that many women, let's say, um, in in the in the Christian world, uh, women tend to be tied perhaps more to the physical home here and family here than perhaps guys are. Um, I'm not sure. I think that it, it it's easier perhaps for them to say, "Oh, this is really wonderful, and I love my home." But baby, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's may, it may be easier for them to say that because they know exactly what they are longing uh, home to be like, and also know this isn't it. This isn't this isn't that place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe Joy can speak to that. But I mean, as I've talked to women, um, it seems to me that women are very aware of the fact that uh, no matter, uh, you know, how they have nested into their particular residence or, you know, how tied they are to all their kids. I mean, again, I've got a wonderful family and we're all very close, but, you know, I can go through Christmas and have everyone here and it's lovely and then come away saying something was missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I I don't know, maybe, maybe women are more aware of the fact that this really isn't it. Mm. Joy is it do you what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think you know, to a certain extent, um, you know, what Nathan said is true in that, you know, as homemakers, um, as those typically entrusted with, you know, um making sure the family is uh, provided for in a home sense, you know, clothed and, um, you know, taken care of and everybody's got lunch money and, you know, what school supplies and whatever it is that they need. Um, in that sense, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to look to heaven and think, but what am I going to do there? Mm. Because a lot of what we do here is people oriented and nurturing and will we have something to nurture there in heaven? What what do we do if, if that role is taken from us? But on the other hand, um, I think you're right, too, because I think, you know, we as women um, often struggle with, um, you know, kind of creating a, a perfect rendition mm-hmm. of kind of Norman Rockwell, if you will, um, right. home life. And so um, even when you have everything together and uh, everyone there, it never comes off quite, you know, perfect. Um, and so there is always a sense that something is missing. Something is not quite right. 
You know, Joy, I, I love... You guys don't mind Joy and I'll just carry on a conversation. Please, please. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. We're, Nathan and I might finally yeah. learn something. <laughs> I, I love what she said about nurturing and whether or not we're going to be able to do that. And Like, one of the things that I've really thought about that I think is going to be so wonderful uh, on the new earth is how our relationships will be so very nurturing with one another and you know perhaps uh, you and I will want to go up to the New Jerusalem and listen to listen to J.R.R. Tolkien talk about imagination and then spend time together without worrying about, you know, are we up against the clock or, you know, how much time do we have left or never being bored in conversation or feeling discriminated against or left out. We could, you know, spend as much time as we wanted to talking about imagination after listening to him. And, you know, you may very well be able to nurture me in in understanding things about imagination that I've never thought of. Wow, that sounds like heaven to me. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't that sound cool? I mean, doesn't it really? I mean, what about if we're all sitting around one day having a conversation like this on the new earth, and the Lord walks up? Mm. <laughs> oh. And, you know, and we say, Lord, wow, we were just talking about you. And... <laughs> and and the Lord says, hey, I've brought lunch. Let's have a picnic. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be yeah. fantastic. Hello, right? Yeah. And then and then to be able to sit and just talk with the Lord. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, then that, that means the Lord's not going to be with everybody all the time. Well, in one sense, you know, God will be in the temple. And in another sense, Jesus is still physical. Sure. He's still in his mm-hmm. body. Right. So, you know, but the good news is, we have eternity. <laughs> yes. It's not like, oh, I only have 10, you know, I only have 10 minutes and then he's got to get on to somebody else cuz he's going to run out of time. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. And we have, you know, the Bible talks about we aren't going to struggle with feelings of jealousy or an in- inadequacy. Right. So we won't be second guessing, well, why isn't Jesus eating lunch with me? Why is he eating uh, over uh, there with the yeah, other kids? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, maybe we'll see him eating lunch with somebody else, and we'll go, oh, isn't that great? Look at him. He's visiting with them. That's so wonderful. And we'll actually really mean it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. In other words, there'll be people looking at Heaven's Facebook, and they they won't have to fake their likes. (laughs) Um, My husband's all into Pokemon. I'm sorry to say that. Anyway, (laughs) my husband's into it, you know. And, I, you know, I'm like, who knows what creatures you may be able to catch? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, seriously, it'll be really fun. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Love that, Elise. I've got two boys right now, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, who have uh, you know, enjoyed some of the Pokemon hunting. And my, I can't yes. tell you how many times on vacation, Dad, Dad, can we all, you know, go over to there to that ice cream parlor? I said, we, we just had ice cream. See, there's a there's a Pikachu there, or Charmaine, or whatever yeah. they are out there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I never thought about Pokemon in heaven. We should do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but what'll be really cool is like they won't be like just fake creatures. They'll be real creatures. The real yeah. ones. Yeah. Oh, and my who goodness. knows? Maybe you have a conversation with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. One of the things that um, Joy's aunt. Uh, that we'll talk about sometimes is uh, C.S. Lewis and Narnia. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, she, she has a very interesting perspective that I, I really like. You know, she said she believes C.S. Lewis really had an understanding of 
uh, the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. pre-fall, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah. the talking animals and, you yeah. know, because yeah. clearly they weren't surprised by this talking serpent that came up no, to them. No, they weren't. Um, yeah. So, you know, she, she feels like, you know, C.S. Lewis just had this really unique understanding of what Eden may have been like pre-fall with, you know, talking animals and all that. And it'd be interesting to think about that in heaven as well. Well, right, and the reason we don't think that way is because we have bought into Plato. And Plato basically has said that the material world is evil and the spirit world is good. Well, see, that's that's not a biblical construct. And so um, Lewis, being the philosopher that he was, uh, he really understood that. He understood the um, inherent goodness of physicality. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a problem with it. And when I think about the new earth, what I want to think about is, okay, it's going to be Eden, but better. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, um, do you mind if I transition here, Go Nathan? Because there's so, I mean, I could, I could talk about this um, for, for so long. Wanted to talk a little bit, at least. I think it was in 2014 uh, that you wrote uh, Good News for Weary Women. And the yeah. sub the subtitle, love even more, um, uh, escaping the bondage of to do lists, steps, and bad advice, which is mm-hmm. uh, why my wife is is lamenting not being here tonight because she has so many, I shouldn't say thoughts, questions on the subject for you. Um, since we got there at the end of our last podcast, I wanted to read a a quote from your book there where you wrote, "Yes, there are passages in Scripture." especially in Paul's letters about women's roles. But it is biblically untenable and soul-crushing to tell a woman that the only worthwhile activity she can do is to birth children and serve a husband and a family. This mindset also creates an idol out of the family structure, making success as a homemaker slash mother the most important vocation in a woman's life. And although this is a high calling, it should not trump our first and foremost calling to believe in Christ. Uh, number one, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> number two, wow. And then <laughs> number three, um, I would say, and I don't know if Joy, you could speak to this. I'll, I'll represent my wife, Lisa, just a little bit here, that the bulk of Christian sermons, books, conferences that have been geared to women in, in her experience. And I'll just yeah. try not to project that beyond, you know, what is uh, reasonable and what you two ladies think. Um, that has been the message that legitimacy yeah. comes from this sort of vocational identity. And we've talked about this, I think uh, at the very tail end of our podcast six months ago that um, my wife says every woman's book she's ever read with probably few exceptions yours being one of them uh tells her that a godly woman wakes up at four forty-five in the morning to have a lengthy devotional and prayer so that she can be spiritually attuned to the needs of her family etc uh, a godly woman does this a godly woman does that and mm-hmm. so much of what she and so many women i talk to as a pastor have been um forced to accept and and identify with is this sense of are you committed to this role um do you think that's a fair characterization that that is 
too prominent in uh, Christian messages to women, Elise? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think that it is really, um, aside from a couple of notable exceptions, the only message. It's not just a message. It's the only message. Mm. And it is a message that basically says that if you're single um, or you, you know, you have really don't have a desire to marry or have children. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually, I mean, I'm hesitating the way I say this. I've, I've actually talked to women who were very comfortable not being married, who didn't really fit that mold, mm-hmm. who enjoyed a career and uh, were part of the church, loved the family of God, but were very happy just being with other women and being um, celibate. Um, I've actually had women like that being, have they've been told that they're probably actually gay. Wow. Um, and I mean, wow. that, <laughs> that's soul crushing. You see, if you say that, everyone is supposed to be like this one ideal. And there's certainly, I mean, again, I've been married for over 40 years. So I I want marriage in my own life and the life of my children. But, I mean, my, my granddaughter the other day said to me, and she's young still, but she's, you know, a teenager. She said to me, I don't think I even want to have children. Hmm. And she's very much a tomboy. She loves sports. Now, what am I going to say to her? Am I going to say, well, sweetheart, uh, you know, if you don't really, if you don't really want to have children and what you want to do is sport or career or whatever, then that must mean that you think you're a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how soul-crushing would that be? Mm-hmm. And I will say that from, I, I want to be really careful, I, I, it's just a supposition Let's put it that way. It's a supposition of mine that a lot of young former Christian people who are self-identifying as being part of the LGTB community mm-hmm. are doing so because they're being told that yeah. there is only really one role. Mm. There is only one role for men. There's only one role for women. Whereas Paul himself said, it's better to be single. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. he said that. Right. And, right. If, and if what we say is that a guy who loves hanging around with other guys and really has female friends but is not interested in having a family in that way. If we say that, guys like that, they must be gay. I mean, what are we saying about the life of Jesus or the life of Paul? I mean, I feel this very, I feel this very strongly because mm-hmm. I'm quite concerned about how this general movement is playing out in the lives of young people who maybe they want to go to college, so let them go to college. Or maybe they just they want to have a job, and they don't feel the need to have a family. Maybe not yet. Maybe not ever. Is that okay? Do we have a do we have room for singles in the church, and even singles who aren't just sort of waiting to get married, mm. but singles who are perfectly happy not being married? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's my little rant. There you go. <laughs> no, I was going to say I am just drinking it in. Yeah. Uh, Joy, just your reaction. Um, well, I think Elise has a point. I mean, I think women are 
often, uh, you know, they're, and I, I don't know how to say this. I gotta be careful how to say this, I guess, but wow, I, they're so much more polite than we are. I, know, I was going to say think we're girls. <laughs> they, they care about they, people's feelings. The, yeah. Um, no, we care about how people are going to interpret what yeah. we say. Um, yeah. so I well, think, full version, yeah. you know, in, in the, in the Bible, um, we are not given as many female characters mm-hmm. as we are male characters. Um, and in fact, m- most of the uh, female characters that were given in the Bible, major characters, are uh, not the, uh, you know, most respectable type of characters. You know, you've got uh-huh. Bathsheba the adulteress and Mary the unwed mother and Tamar I don't even know how to characterize <laughs> so Tamar you know I, I and even Ruth prostitute. you know yeah, right I mean I mean even Ruth who you know like Mary kind of seems the the maybe purest of them all what she does in that day and age is sketchy you know totally but so you know as women we want to know how what are we supposed to do and, you know, how, um, you know, how are we supposed to act? What are we supposed to do? And so we, we look for some direction. And if you, you don't feel comfortable looking to those women, certainly, because we often miss what are those women in there for, just like the men. Well, they're there because of their, like Elise said, they're there because of their belief in Christ. They're not there because of their character and because of their actions, because of what they've done. But we often miss miss that, and so we what do we go to? Well, we go to Proverbs thirty one, right? Well, and that's the typical stereotypical homemaker model. Mm-hmm. And so you go, okay, woman, this is what a woman should be like, mm-hmm. taking care of the husband. And so women who don't fit into that role, um, women who you know are outside of that for a variety of reasons. Um, they, they don't feel like they fit because in the Christian community, well, you've either got those characters mm-hmm. or you have the Proverbs 31 and there doesn't, there's not a lot of middle ground mm-hmm. uh, there. And so specified. Um, so it's hard, you know, to know, well, then what do I do? If I don't fit, then I must be outside Mm -hmm. the box. I must be outside the lines. And so whether um, that leads you toward a a homosexual lifestyle or whether that leads you toward uh, anger at the church uh, for the way that they, um, you know, seem to put women in a box and, you know, the the stereotypical submissive, sweet, uh, gentle, always smiling Mm -hmm. woman it it causes a lot of issues. And I think at the heart of it is like what Elise said. We we as women want to check off um, boxes. We want to accomplish things. We we want things to be Pinteresty. Perfect. Um <laughs> and good. and when we can't do that, then you know, we've missed what the whole point of the Bible is, and that's belief in Christ. By believing in Christ, we're made beautiful in a variety of ways. Um, you know, Christ, we see that even in creation. Christ's uh, idea of beauty is not limited to any one uh, type. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting, Joy, that you said that. And, and, um, uh, because that was, uh, Elise's, the, the final point of that quote I read, um, that, and although this is a high calling, which you're certainly saying, uh, women that are called to that role, whether they be motherhood, uh, being, being a wife, uh, it should not trump our first and foremost calling to believe in Christ. What I have found, um, and again, it's anecdotal, so I, I welcome correction and tweaking, is that in so much Christian women's literature, belief in Christ is sort of the, yeah, it's the prerequisite uh, to get onto the real stuff. Uh, and the real stuff is Proverbs 31. It's uh, it's being that, for to use an old tired cliche, the sort of Christian Holly homemaker who uh, delights. In, and I don't know, uh, Elise, if you feel this way. I'm at a point now, maybe I'm just jaded. When I'm on Facebook, it's usually Facebook, sometimes Twitter, and I see a wife, and, and forgive me if this is, if I'm going too far, who is constantly saying things like, I'm so blessed to have such a strong husband who leads me and shepherds my family. It is a joy to submit. And I see Facebook posts like that like 30 times in a month. I'm thinking, this woman's not happy. Um, I could, But my, my suspicion is this woman is not necessarily feeling this way, uh, but is potentially trying to persuade herself, this is the pathway to joy. This is what I'm called to do. Uh, at least I'll start with you. Am I, what do you think? Am I being fair? Have you ever had these thoughts yourself? Um, well, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I sort of understand why people post the stuff that they post. You know, <laughs> the whole, Pictures the of their Reuben blessed. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> too blessed to be stressed. You yeah. know? Uh, I mean, I, I'd really like to see somebody take a picture of the sink full of dishes and uh, <laughs> running around with no clothes on and all that. <laughs> it seems to me that's a little more realistic. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the function of social media, though, it seems to me, and, and this isn't sort of across the board maybe, but I think, I think it's pretty prevalent. The function of social media is for me to show you how much better my life is than yours <laughs> yeah. and, um, and to actually make to create within other people um, maybe a discontent. Now, does anybody actually sit down and say, well, I want to make all my friends discontented mm-hmm. today, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a picture of how perfect my house is. <laughs> I don't think anybody does that. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope nobody actually <laughs> does that. But I think it act, that's how it actually plays out. Mm-hmm. And so social media really functions as law, as far as I can tell. And again, you know, I'm on social media. I try to use it. I try to use social media to get a certain message out and not to talk about, like, how great my life is. Because quite frankly, um, my life is not that great. But even if it were that great, do I really want to tell everybody around me that my life is greater than theirs? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so what social media does is it really functions as the law. And what the law is saying is you have to do more and try harder. Mm. And, um, and, and if good. you did, then you could have a really great life like me. But since you're not, since you don't, you're a loser. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I'm very concerned about the function of social media 
Uh, I think it's a it's a nice way for people to stay in touch. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, among a, a wide variety of friends, I'm glad to see certain things. But uh, yeah, I I I am troubled by the way social media is used, and particularly the way it's used as law to say basically to women from other women. If you were as diligent as I am, mm. if you were as godly as I am, this is what your family, your life, your house, your, you know, whatever would look like. Mm. That, to me, is an issue. And so, you know, any time anybody looks at social media and sees that their friend is at the beach, and then they wonder why I didn't get invited... Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, then social media is functioning as law, and and I, uh, you know, I let let grace function as grace. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna, if you want to uh, be gracious to people on social media, then you know, post a picture of the di- sink full of dishes and say, "Hey, I'm really struggling, but I lo- I know that Jesus loves Luke." Mm. I mean, that that actually would be helpful. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, there's kind of. Have you uh, all seen this ad? I, I, am not endorsing the movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know nothing about it. I think it's the Mila Kunis movie, The Bad Moms. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, you almost wonder <laughs> is there is there some kind of liberating effect? And that's a popular theme now with TV shows. Sometimes they, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. They might uh, challenge uh, body type issues. Mm-hmm. You know, where they'll have an actress that is not your your typical. Oh, I just stepped off of uh, the Cosmopolitan uh, cover page, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a more realistic woman, uh, whether she's an older woman, heavier woman, whatever it might be, they'll they'll defy that. Or I think this bad moms preview I've seen mm-hmm. is that they show the mom in the PTA meeting: <laughs> no gluten, no wheat, no this, no fat, no sugar, no this, no that, and right. finally, you know, the, the mom just breaks down and can't stand it anymore. So. You know, that the, there's even something in the quote-unquote secular world where there's a certain yeah. ideal. Um, sure. And it sounds to me that, uh, at least based on some of the things you've said and you too, Joy, that, that exists in the Christian world as well. Oh, sure. I mean, the secular world definitely has it. Hello, Victoria's Secret. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and Hollywood just in general. And there's certainly an awareness of it now and a, a movement a counter movement, so to speak, um, like the Dove commercials, women of all you know body types, um, the the um, fuller figure models that are you know have commercials now, and and those. So there's certainly a movement, and there's a movement even among secular women against um, social media shaming, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, an awareness that perhaps as women, this isn't all good for us because we're just setting up standards that we can never live up to. And are we really being real and authentic with one another? And if we're not being real and authentic, how are we ever really to grow? Mm -hmm. We're just going to slide further and further um, away uh, from whatever that goal is. All the while, nobody knows we need help because we won't admit it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that exists in both the secular and the Christian world. Mm -hmm. Um, the discouraging thing, of course, in the Christian world is, why? <laughs> why does that exist? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that shouldn't be the point. Yeah. Um, so I think that the that the secular world is filled with law, 
And, you know, if, if on one hand the law is, you know, uh, shaming, body shaming, and then it's, well, we should never do that, that still comes as law. Um, and then people feel guilty because they're doing that. I, I think in the, in the Christian world, uh, and I agree with you, Joy, it's like, why are, why are we setting up these constructs that really do nothing but shame women? And instead, instead of saying, well, shaming is bad, which of course it is, but instead give people the good news of the reality that, um, <laughs> We, our identity is in Christ and what he has done. So in Christ, I am, I am as perfect right now, this moment, as I will ever be. Mm. Yes. And that that perfection is completely acceptable and welcomed and uh, exactly what I need to be. So, you know, I don't... Again, I and I, I have a hobby horse, and the hobby horse is basically, if you don't keep the gospel as the center of your message, something else will take the center. Mm. And you have to be radically intentional about knowing Christ and Him crucified. And if, it's, if you're not radically intentional about that, you're, something else will take the center, and I think that for women, uh, it's gender roles, because, again, we want to get a message to women, but, you know, perhaps in response to feminism, and I shouldn't say perhaps, I know, in response to feminism, uh, we've tried to construct, we've tried to say, hey, being a mom and a, and a, and a stay-at-home mom and a wife is a good thing, that's fine, that's good, let's say that. But let's not say it to the exclusion of the gospel mm -hmm. or anything else that a woman might feel called to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Elise, um, I was wondering, we, we've talked a lot about Proverbs 31. Could you put that in the proper biblical perspective? Well, you know, <laughs> so not asking much. Uh, you really want to get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, Proverbs thirty-one is part of the Holy Writ. It's part of Scripture, mm -hmm. and it's there for a reason. Uh, I want to think of Proverbs thirty-one in a couple of ways. First of all, I want—I don't want to think about it as a snapshot of one day. Mm -hmm. I want to think about it as a videotape of a conglomeration of women who are wise. Mm -hmm. So oh, um, it's not a snapshot; it's a videotape of a conglomeration. I also want to think about Proverbs thirty-one as Jesus writing that to me as how He sees me. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's really, really good, Elise. So, in other words, so, you, it's obvious you don't like uh, the the exemplary approach. Dare I say, the law approach to Proverbs thirty-one. Here are the well, twelve things that she does. Now you go and do those twelve things. In other words, well, right, and that's because you know whenever whenever we are confronted by Scripture as law alone. There's really, as Luther said, there's really only two possible responses. 
Response number one is pride, where I say, yeah, I got that going on. I got up at 4.45 this morning and did my devotions while yeah. it was still dark. Uh, you know, I grow my own wheat. I, you know, <laughs> I, I bake bread. I weave my own clothing. I mean, I do all this stuff. I got it going on, and everybody around me better rise up and call me blessed. Um, and then if, if I go down that road, then where I'm going to end up, and pretty quickly, is to look at other women, secular women or even other Christian women, and say, what's wrong with you? I've got my act together. Why can't you have yours? And then, mm. like, the, like the Pharisee, like the publican and the sinner who go up to the temple to pray, I will say, God, I thank you that I'm not like other women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Luther said there's really only two responses possible when all we're given is law, and that's the first one, pride. The second one is despair. So, you know, I look at Proverbs 31, and if I'm going to take it seriously and say this is God's demand to me every day of my life, then every night I'm going to go to bed in despair. Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't do it. Yeah. Now, that's not to say I shouldn't try to be a godly woman. I want very much to do that. I want to leave a legacy for my grandchildren. I want to be known as a godly woman. But um, that, you know, I, I can't get that done. Mm-hmm. And I, I do try, by the grace of God, to live a a godly life, but the reality is that I'm going to fall into despair if all I have is the law. So then how should Proverbs 31 function? Well, aside from the things that I said, I can look at Proverbs, I can look at the whole book of Proverbs, and I can say, thank you, Lord, you have shown me how the world is meant to run, uh, how the grain of wisdom flows throughout the entire you know, universe, if you, as you have set it up. I thank you that there was a righteous son who was punished as a fool, and that I have his, I have his righteous record. And so when I hear the law, then I need to let the law do its work and encourage me, but then I also need to let grace come in and assure me mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ, <laughs> who was the perfect Son, the perfect honoring Son, who always did exactly what his father and mother asked him to do. That perfect honoring son was crucified as a fool and had blows on his back meant for fools so that I could have the righteousness of the Proverbs 31 woman. Hmm. Amen. Thank you, Elise. Thank you. And I did want to say, uh, you and your daughter uh, applied the same gospel-centered and I almost hate using that phrase because it is almost pressing the cliche now, Christ-centered, gospel-centered. Because yeah. it, it's it, it. But I really can't think of of a uh, of a better term for uh, what you just laid out. But you apply that same, I'll call it uh, dripping with grace, wisdom. You co-wrote the book with your daughter a few years ago. Give them grace, and it sounds to me like you have just wonderfully. Taylor made that gospel-focused message, whether you're writing to women, whether you're urging and encouraging parents on how they raise their children. And, and, and I have not read that one yet, but it is on my to-do list. But um, is that the approach you and your daughter took in that book uh, in terms yeah. of how we parent kids? Uh, 
Absolutely. I mean, I did not parent my children in this way. I parented my children primarily with the law mm. because uh, I basically grew up in a very lawless home. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, um, my kids aren't going to be fools like I was. And so I, I gave them loads and loads and loads of rules. And uh, my daughter, Jessica, um, I mean, she was she was the compliant, sweet, child she won Miss Christian character <laughs> in kindergarten. I mean she was she went to on missions trips. She was leaders of leader of the youth group, all of this business. Uh when she graduated from high school, she went to Bible college and uh, she came home one night from Bible college and said, Mom, I got saved today. Wow. <laughs> well um to say that, uh, it, you know, for her, see, it's for the compliant child in the home. She never heard the gospel from me, mm-hmm. because I assume she already understood it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, so then when we began, and she and I do a lot of study and talk together, and when we began to really make a shift into more of a gospel-centered um, rubric, you know, way of thinking, um, I began to say, and so did she, well, how should this then affect parenting? Because it certainly isn't the way I raised my children. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then that's, that was the genesis of, of Give Them Grace, was trying to take the truth of justification by faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, by grace alone, trying to take that rubric and put it into parenting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, the place where we got the most help was from Martin Luther and his commentary on Galatians. Mm -hmm. So we were studying the commentary on Galatians together, and, um, you know, it it became more and more obvious to us uh, what we needed to do. And so that book, I you know, I did... I did a lot of the sort of theological, mm, let me think about that, how I'll, how should I put that kind of part of that book? Mm-hmm. And then Jessica came back around and did all of the practical applications. Mm. Elise, uh, that, that being the case, what, what do we tell parents, in your opinion? I, I have this a lot. We try to emphasize grace uh, a great deal at our, our church, and um, naturally questions come up all the time, sort of the whatabouts, whatabouts. Uh, and I'm not saying those are illegitimate questions. What about the commands of Scripture? What about the prescriptive truths that we are to do certain things and not do other things, which nobody is downplaying in any way? Parenting, I have parents all the time that say, I just don't know how to apply grace because aren't they, and I think you even alluded to it, aren't they fools? You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child and the rod will drive it far from them. Um, um, how do we, we, we balance grace with reasonable and realistic expectation, consequences, etc.? Right. I mean, I think that, first of all, you know, we would be insane if we didn't give children rules and, in essence, the law. Mm-hmm. We are called to give children the law, um, and it's appropriate to do so. Children need rules. 
But where we get into trouble is when we think that we can make children righteous by giving them the law. Mm-hmm. So the function of the law is, first of all, and you know, there are, you know, let's say there are three functions of the law. The law, first of all, is meant to crush us mm-hmm. and to make us understand that, come to the conclusion that we cannot, um, we can't do it. So I'll give you an illustration from my daughter's life. Her kids now are teenagers, but when they were little, uh, Wesley, who was, let's say, five, and his little brother Hayden, who was three, um, one day Wes, uh, Jessica was in another room, and she heard uh, the blood-curdling scream <laughs> and came running <laughs> yeah. out. And, uh, and Wesley is... Uh, Hayden's and Wesley's got Hayden pinned on the ground, and he's just pummeling him. And Jessica looks at Wesley, and he's got a big bite mark on his back. And um, you know, he's a little five-year-old, and he's just infuriated. Mm-hmm. Well, so what should we say then? Should we say, "Oh, well, you know, honey, grace covers it all"? No, of course not. <laughs> so she, she takes Wesley, she picks him up, and she says, "And this is the appropriate application of the law." Wesley, you must love your brother. Mm-hmm. See, that's the law. Mm-hmm. And when Wesley answered and said, I can't. Mm. Now, I would have said, oh, yes, you can, buddy, and you will. <laughs> or I'm going to know the reason why. Right, right. <laughs> she said, you're right, baby, run to the rescuer. He's the only one who can help you. Wow. See, wow. that... <laughs> So what, what's the first function of the law? The first function of the law is to instruct us in our need for a Savior. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean she didn't discipline? Of course she did. Mm-hmm. Does that mean she doesn't continue to tell them not to fight? Of course she does. But, but when they get to that place where they say, I'm, I, I can't, I can't, then you say, run to Jesus, baby. He's the one that was given to you. You're a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So then that's the first function of the law. The second function of the law is to make us grateful for Christ's perfect keeping of it in our place. Mm-hmm. So we tell children, you need to share. You need to be kind. You need to love your brother in essence. But the function of that is to say, look at not just you need to do this, but Jesus did this perfectly for you mm-hmm. to make you truly grateful for his perfect keeping of it. And then the third use of the law is to show us how to respond in gratitude mm-hmm. for what Christ has already done. So it's not that we never give the law or rules to children. It's that when we do so, we understand that the law can't change their hearts only grace can do that, and true obedience has to flow out of gratitude and love for the Savior. Any other kind of obedience is worthless. I mean, that's what Paul says in Galatians, that religion or irreligion is worthless unless it's faith working through love. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Elise and sure. Joy, for... Uh, coming on this podcast um we are uh 
over time. We're over an hour yeah, right now. Boy, just, it didn't feel like it. No, did it? it didn't. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been sure. um, so great and so helpful. Um, now, Elise, uh, Greg was able to ask you um, that side of the question when it comes to raising children. Could you just um, uh, – we're going to sign off here, but leave us with something um, for the women in particular um, You know, who are just feeling – beaten down by the law and beaten down by how, you know, how do I get out of this rut, this cycle of, you know, doing, 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 and finding the self-worth in doing. Right. And I'll just leave them with, um, with Jesus' wonderful words from Matthew 11, which is, come to me, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't come with all of your perfect whatever. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, the message of Christ to women is rest in him. I'll give you rest. You don't, you know, are you, are you laboring? Are you under a heavy burden? Christ wants to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know, it's one of the few places in Scripture where Jesus describes his own disposition, mm-hmm. his own heart. Mm-hmm. And he says he's gentle and lowly. He's not demanding and haughty. Mm-hmm. Amen. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, you know, flee to Jesus. He loves, he loves women, quite obviously. He loves sinners. Flee to Jesus, and you will find rest for your souls. That's so great. Thank you so much. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Greg, Joy, Elise, we just rocked the Caspa. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to Elise Fitzpatrick and Joy Bell talking about uh, women, Proverbs 31, um, their their cares and their issues. Um, and we have uh, a promo. We're going to be giving away some of the books. But um, real quick, we teased this probably uh, in May mm-hmm. that we were going to start fundraising. And we've uh, put it on the back burner. We never wanted – and we still don't. We don't want this show to be about money. Uh, but there are obviously expenses. Um, Greg, uh, between you and I, mostly on your end, um, a lot of uh, monetary commitment has been put into this, um, setting up Podbean, setting up uh, the computer and everything else that we do. Um you and I have both committed uh, so much time to this. Our guests who come on commit time to this. Um, and so uh, – and you as our listeners, um, you know, we, we give away prizes. Uh, mostly that comes out of your pocket, Craig. Yeah. Um, we just um, – starting in September, we are going to be um, – setting up a venue so that you as our listeners can donate if you feel so inclined. Um, Our commitment is going to be what it's always been to just put out great podcasts for you. Uh, Whether you're able to give no money whatsoever, um, if you're able to give a dollar, five dollars, 10, whatever you're able to do, we'd appreciate and love. Um, I I can uh, guarantee that every money that Every bit of money that comes in, it's not going to be used to make us rich. Uh, Come on, this is- Come on. You're going to pull up in some <laughs> totally whacked out Cadillac Escalade with a bass. Dude, boom, totally not a Cadillac yeah. guy. 
Ferrari, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. no, this is, um, you know, so whatever you guys are able to give, we would really appreciate. You're going to be hearing about that in the weeks to come. Sure. As, uh, as we get more focused on where that money will be deposited, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want you guys just to think it's going out into space somewhere. Right, right. Um, so there will be, you know, PayPal accounts set up and things like that so that, you know, you know it's a secure transfer and all that. Um, so uh, just... Listen for that in the weeks to come, uh, more specific details. And, you know, again, whatever you'd be able to give, we'd appreciate. And uh, thanks for listening. Um, now to the cool stuff, Greg. Yeah, man. Um, th- this is how much we hate talking about money is, you know, we're willing to breeze right through it quickly. Right. Um, so now for the giveaways. But uh, we talked about three different books from Lisa Fitzpatrick. We talked about her new one that just released today. Well, when you're listening to this yeah, yesterday. Days, yeah. Home. Um, home. Uh, how heaven and the new earth satisfy our deepest longing. Uh, and you got a chance to listen to Elise, uh, spend a good bit of time reviewing that, that one great. and talking to us. And that was, that I, was excellent. I, 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 I was not joking. I ordered that book. Nice. Uh, as she was, as she was speaking. <laughs> Cause I'll admit, dude, first time I thought I haven't, well, Alcorn's done it. A few other people, right. but just her approach. Yeah. At least just has great, um, I don't know what the word is. Angles, yeah. side doors into yeah. issues that oh, I never really quite looked at it like yeah. that. That just unlock things. So I'm, I love the way she writes, the way she speaks. Yeah. Can't wait to get that book. Yeah. So that is uh, one of the books that you could get. Mm-hmm. Um, Good news for weary women yeah. uh, is the other one, or give them grace, give the them one grace. that she wrote with her co-wrote with her daughter. So uh, those three books will be available to you uh, this week. Um, you guys have been so awesome with the iTunes reviews. We really appreciate that. Uh, we're over a hundred now. Yep. Um, and so we said we were just going to be pushing it until we got to a hundred. Yep. We're over that. So we want to focus a little bit more on Twitter. So when this podcast, uh, release and you're able to listen to it, go ahead and blast this out on Twitter. Um, and we will, uh, put you into the drawing for, uh, one of those books. We're going to give away, uh, three books, yep. your choice. Um, so once we announce the winners in, uh, what are we going to do? Two weeks? Sure. sure. Let's, Let's do, do two, two weeks. weeks. Give it's it a little a, time yeah, to, to percolate. It's the summertime. So yep. typically in the summer, people are behind on their podcasts. Sure. Um, so we're going to do this one in two weeks, um, two weeks from, uh, August 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will announce the winners for that. So like I said, retweet that out. And we will put you into the drawing three yep. books. And we'll announce it August 23rd. And the other thing, dude, if they could, just so we can tag it easily, yeah. uh, it's probably good. Let's not do the hashtag. Let's do the, uh, just include our handle. Yeah. The at podcast TGT11. Yep. Uh, and you can find that on Twitter. If you just put in your link, hey, listen to this podcast with Elise Fitzpatrick, however you want to phrase it, yep. make sure you include our handle. Yep. Very easy for us to track. Um, and if you include uh, Elisa's handle too, that would be great just to perfect. get her name out there. Perfect, yeah. And we'll uh, we'll try to get all this in, uh, in the show notes as well. Real last quick thing, man, if we can yeah. press our listeners. Uh, yeah, we definitely don't want to talk about the money thing, Nathan. Um, and we waited till we made over 100 episodes mm-hmm. to do that. Um, it's all going to go back really into the podcast so we can just do a better job. Yeah. Uh, honoring, uh, honoring your time, honoring the technology it takes to keep things up and mm-hmm. running. Obviously, the space we need to store uh, microphones, 101 things yeah. that we just want to do. And I do want to say, if there's that dude out there listening that's like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to pay my mortgage next, next month. We're not going to uh, TBN you. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so if you do this, you will receive a blessing. 
Dude, if dude. you do this, I will come to your house and smack you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> if if you're in that spot, keep listening. If you're enjoying it, keep enjoying it, which is what we hope. Yeah. If you're in a different spot, then just whatever. Pray yeah. about it. Whatever seems good. We're I, again. We're going to continue rocking and rolling. This isn't no going to. What. Yeah. This isn't going to really affect anything. It's just we we have actually received some Facebook requests, sure. um, some messages, some Twitter requests, just saying, "Hey, we love what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, love to love to uh, contribute in some way if, if uh, we can." So that's for you guys. For yeah, everyone right. else. You know, keep rocking on and listening, and uh, we love having you as listeners. Amen. All right. See you later. See ya. These go to 11.